Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Weekend Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Lemery, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means will be along in a bit. We will do basketball at the end of this podcast. We're recording this Friday afternoon. Ohio State has not yet taken the court versus Oral Roberts, but we're going to record the basketball segment after that game is over with Stephen from West Lafayette. So that's a coming. No, it's not because Ohio State lost and we did a separate emergency pod. This one's just football. If you want a dose of hoops, but spring football started Friday. And that's what we're going to focus on. Nathan Baird and I were both on. Stephen was on, too, from the road. The post-practice Zoom with offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson, defensive coordinator Kerry Combs, left tackle Thayer Munford, defensive end Zach Harrison. So that's the information we got. And I will say, Nathan, everybody, you know, we're, we're getting kind of back into the groove of things. There are two types of questions that can be asked, right? There is a fact question and a feelings question. What is the, who is the starting quarterback, right? That's a fact. How are you going to figure out, or there's like a process question, like how are you going to figure out who the starting quarterback is going to be? How do you feel about the competition so far? Those are different kinds of things. I think sometimes journalists aren't very good at figuring out what kind of question needs to be asked in the moment. Actually, I think a lot of journalists aren't very good at asking questions, but I've said that before. Rethinking about the interviews today, I was thinking about the fact that Kerry Combs got a question near the end that led to a direct answer about like who's starting at a position. And frankly, since we didn't get to watch practice today, every single question should have been, can you run through the depth chart for us? Who is the starting defensive line? Who are the starting linebackers? Who are the starting corners? Who are the starting offensive... And it wasn't. And the fact that Kerry told us something at the end, he gave a fact, but we didn't ask enough. There weren't enough facts questions, fact questions asked because there's enough stuff that's up in the air. Nathan Wright at certain position things or of how they're going to go that I'm realizing, I think the beat fell a little bit short on that. What do you think? I can hear that criticism. Yeah. I guess it's another thing though. Like if you hear uh, Anton Jackson was starting at nose tackle today, or the three seniors were starting at the linebacker spots. Uh, you know, I, I, that tells you something. I, I don't know that it tells you a lot. Disagree. Tells you the most important thing. Who's, who's in the lead to play? That's the most important thing. Go ahead. But those are who you expect to be in the lead to play on the first day That's of spring, That's not what right? they do. They start – no, they don't, they don't just put the seniors in. They, they, the guys who are, are with the ones in the first day of practice are the guys who they think are the ones. That's why Darren Lee was on the first with the ones in the first day of spring practice as redshirt freshman. That's why Thomas Powell popped it there. It's not, it's not some backwards. Well, we'll just put the old you're, guys out there. It's not senior day. You're definitely correct in that. There should have been a question of who lined up opposite seven banks at the other outside corner today. Who are the starting corners right now, Kerry? Right. Nobody asked that. Who are the starting linebackers right now, Kerry? Nobody asked that. Right. Right. Yeah. You were on the call today too. So. I'm not a beat writer. And I also, they started the question section. They, it was started about 15 minutes earlier than planned. So I was not shouting. 
Okay. So I was, I did not, uh, I was not prepared. I asked Zach Harrison a question in the dark, but listen, man, I, I, I did the beat for 15 years. I you know you guys got to I'm a, I'm a little surprised didn't come more because with that start with, we said, we'll go back and forth. The question at the end, we got an answer. Was it you? We got an answer about safety, right? That helped us. We, we are informed about the safety position. And, and sometimes all you're doing is confirming what you think, right. but like that's a super important thing because we're wrong all the time. So what do we know about the safety position that Kerry Combs confirmed on Friday? That Josh Proctor is the free safety. Um, and I guess beyond that, also the Lathan Ransom is still in that position that he was playing at the end of last season, which is what they call the cover safety or that, that, that safety that is the slot safety, the slot corner, whatever back and forth you want to call that on later downs, passing downs. That's the slot. That's the place that Lathan Ransom is playing right now. And Josh Proctor is a guy that is, is taking free safety. Um, And then, and then beyond that, the guys that they're mentioning behind him, um, as far as getting reps today, were Bryson Shaw, who is a you know former three-star prospect, a guy who got a little bit of run last year, and then the, the true freshman Jansen Dunn. Those are your free safeties right now. So he didn't mention Ronnie Hickman there, which makes you think, okay, then Ronnie Hickman must be involved more in the slot corner down near the line box safety coverage thing, which is important. And it's getting confirming Proctor has moved around. We've used a lot of words on this podcast to talk about Do they put Josh Proctor where it's best for Josh Proctor? Do they put Josh Proctor where it's important for the defense? And we thought they would wind up at this. Like if he's not the deep safety, who is? But this is confirming that. And this makes me think that when the season starts, they're going to be in a single high safety look and Josh Proctor's going to be deep and Lathan Ransom's going to be up. Now, is he the starting nickel corner or is it just a third down thing? Again, that's, you know, maybe he's not that, but we know what that position is. I think it makes sense, Nathan, but I think we were also prepared for the idea of no, Josh Proctor's going to roam and they're going to try other guys deep. But even like, no offense to Bryson Shaw, but like, okay, well, you know, Bryson Shaw, of all the 85 guys they have in this roster, I don't think Bryson Shaw is like a starting player for them, right? That like, no. it's not like, well, but- there's a really strong backup to Josh Proctor, which opens the door for where well, they might move Proctor around. It's like, no. This is Proctor's deal at deep safety, and everybody behind him is clearly a backup. Marcus Hooker, you presume, would have been the number two safety, I think, today if he were not being arraigned this morning and indefinitely suspended from this team. So yeah. that's that's probably what we would have seen there. The other thing I want to throw in real quick, just as a caveat for people, because, yes, he did say those things. We do know that there are players who may not be practicing right now because of slight injuries. So because he didn't say someone in that, that three stack doesn't mean there's someone else who couldn't be involved who maybe can't practice right now. But again, because we weren't there, we didn't see it. We don't know. Usually I remember last year getting to see that like Sean Wade and maybe even Baron Browning, somebody else for like standing off on the side. They weren't really in practice for the first day of practice last year. So that could be going on today too. I just want to throw in that caveat. Right. Although if there was like a gigantic guy, if there was like a huge guy that they think are going to factor in somewhere, Kerry would have said, well, you know, this guy's going to be in there. We don't have it. You know, I think he would. He wouldn't. If it was Josh Proctor, if it was Josh Proctor, he would have said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So on the Monday call, I'm going to say to Ryan Day, listen, Ryan, you guys normally let us watch the start of spring practice. Can you run down the depth chart? Can you run down who started with the ones? And then we'll cover that since nobody else did it today. So since you said I was on the call, too, I'll take the responsibility. There's a lot of beat writers who only cover Ohio State football, and that's it. But I'll swoop in and do the job if you guys don't want to do it because we need facts, right? Like, feelings are wonderful. It's fact time. Normally, Nathan, this is like one of the best days of the year for fans and for us because we're getting eyeballs on players, and it's not about how Seven Banks looks in spandex, although that was a big part of the first day of spring last year. It's about who's running with the ones. We look at drills and say, well, who's the first guy in the drill? All right, we're going to assume they're a starter for now. So we've got to do a better job of getting that information. All right. Go, you go next. What else? What else did now? We did get a lot of stuff today. Kevin Wilson's always good. Kerry Combs is always good. I thought Thayer Munford and Zach Harrison, who are going to be two of the leaders of this team, did a good job. What else did we want to talk about? Well, I think, you know, this is the first time we had a chance to talk to either of these coordinators since the national championship game. And that was especially, I think, going to be useful in talking to Kerry Combs. You know, they had both done the sort of softball coaches show interview, 
but that's the they didn't speak post game that day, which I thought was a, a failure by the program, frankly. And then we hadn't talked to them in the two plus months since then. So today, you know, Kerry Combs obviously did what I think you would expect him to do, which was absorb a lot of the blame for the fact that the, the team defensively looked uh, so overmatched against Alabama. I thought the important questions were the ones that came next. So my question about, hey, last year you said that you didn't really think you had other options in the secondary because you didn't get to see. The, the, you, you hadn't really had the evaluation time and development time for the young defensive backs in this program. So where does that stand now? What needs to change? Where are you going next with that? And he came back to kind of one of his old mantras, right? That you, you, from when you, when he was here before, and I'm sure you talked to him about this a million times, but just getting back to where Ohio state really thrives in press man coverage on the outside and him feeling like last year they had so scant opportunities to work that in practice scenarios that the young guys just didn't develop that to where they had confidence that they could go out and, and be put in those situations and why they relied so much on those veterans. And it, it other than length and ransom, you didn't really see freshmen get a chance. And that's, he, he seemed, that seems to clearly be very present in his mind right now, that if they can go out and make Ohio state um, elite again at that skill, you know, the press man coverage on the outside, that the ripple effects through the rest of the secondary will be obvious that that then determines what else they can do as far as coverages, schemes, who plays that sort of thing. So it was a great debate last year of why were they doing what they were doing? Was it a choice or was it because the players weren't good enough? And they're not going to say the players aren't good enough, but the players weren't good enough. Now, the other thing is it's not like they were playing true freshmen. Their top three corners to start the season were Sean Wade, seven banks and cam Brown. And that's guys, that's, that's like a normal development track. The backups were where you got off kilter a little bit once Cam Brown went down and Marcus Williamson has been around. So on one hand, I don't a hundred percent buy like the young guys thing. There weren't that young. I mean, frankly, Sean Wade was back. Marcus Williamson had been around forever and go ahead. I was just saying, I I think the point being that when some of those older guys weren't getting the job done, they didn't feel like they trusted the younger guys, but they weren't going to do it anyway. What are they going to do? They're going to play Ryan Watts. If it was a normal season, they were going to bench somebody and play Ryan Watts. They never do that. They never do that. So that's an excuse. That's not a real thing. It's not a real thing. Let's talk about what's real. Let's talk about that for everybody, the pandemic sucked. You didn't get the practice, right? We get that. And Ohio State had more interruptions than some other programs. So Carrie Combs said they only had seven practices last year, the whole time where they got the seven like times, I guess, where they got to run like press man and practice and do a drill and work on press man. So I get that. So they couldn't, no matter who they had, they couldn't work press man as much. So they fell into a zone and then the zone, you can get picked apart a little bit, but also the guys like have to be better. Right. And so they're going to have the, the opportunity to work on that skill development with seven brank seven bags. Now, Cam Brown's not back yet. He's not going to be doing team stuff yet. He'll have that chance in August. So that I get. But he did clearly. So I think I think last year, I think the answer somewhere in here, Nathan, right, is that the pandemic made it harder for us to play man. And if we had Denzel Ward, Gary on Conley and Marshawn Lattimore and we never got to practice, we probably would have been okay because we'll just play man. And they're so skilled like they were in 2016. We would have been okay. The combination of a, a step down in talent at corner with the pandemic prevented them from playing as much man as they wanted to play. But I do think it's been a great sort of debate of what, what were they forced to do schematically last year? And what is a reflection of what they want to do? So I think we're still figuring this out a little bit. So the, the background facts are when Kerry Combs was here the first time around, they played press man every snap and they dared you to beat them. They weren't trying to trick you. They just lined up and played press man. Jeff Halfley and Ryan Day come in. They want to do a mix of cover one and cover three, where a lot of times off the snap, it looks the same. Cover one's man, cover three zone. And the quarterback doesn't know what it's going to be, but there's still a lot of man coverage as part of that. It's just that it's mixed up and it's a little disguised pre-snap. Last year, they probably wound up playing more cover three than cover one, more cover three than they wanted. So I guess the question now is, Kerry Combs wants to play more man. He wants to develop the corners who can do it. Cause if you don't have great corners, you can't do it. But I guess, is it, do they, do you think Nathan, he wants to play like press man across the board, or is it still going to be this mix of cover one and cover three? It's just that they, when they are playing the cover one man, look, they'll feel more confident about it and be better at it because 
they'll have practiced it more and the talent level is a little higher. I think it's, it's a lot of that, the latter of that, that it's, I think they can still mix up coverages, but I think the underlying thing was they didn't feel confident in those times that they were trying to play press man last year. And it, and it wasn't again, just the younger guys. Cause I think you can go back and look and to your point, you can look at the Alabama game. We did. We went back and looked at the Alabama game in depth. And there are other examples, too, where guys are, are playing a softer coverage, right? They're playing off the ball. They're playing more of a zone look. And that, that was it was that coupled with the problems they had at the extreme back end of the defense with the inconsistencies they had with safety. I think all of that kind of converged to some of the problems they had in the, the bigger defensive letdowns they had this season. So I think that was his point. The point that I took away today was that it's it's sort of a domino effect that if you can if they become more like what they want to be at that skill that it changed that it it ripples through the defense or i think the other telling thing he said was or if we're just not good enough to be that like maybe they have to cut bait on that earlier and and change what they're doing right and the question is they lose sean wade seven banks marcus williamson cam brown who was hurt early, but was part of that early on. They're the guys who were back. And then, you know, the highly recruited guys at corner are true freshmen. You know, Ryan Watts, Legend Cavazos, and Cam Martinez, right? Right, true freshmen in their cases. And then you're saying... I'm saying the guys who are like, oh, well, let's put a five-star in the field. They're true freshmen. Cam Martinez, Legend Cavazos, and Ryan Watts aren't that. Right. So they're second-year guys. But it goes back to, do you you think they're going to steal jobs from from the other guys? So... They have to develop those top guys, but it goes back to they are still in they are still this season a little bit in that dip, in that recruiting dip, in the couple guys who decommitted, right? That they lost at the end, that they just done that, that two-year dip in the secondary is still going to be a factor this year. And they're going to have to adjust. So I do think they have to be open to some more two safety stuff, but Landis asked him about that directly. And he was like, didn't like, he didn't commit to that. He didn't want to commit to much. And I get it. Of course, not. he's going to not going to give away the whole defense of the first day of spring, but it goes back to Nathan. I think this is like the defining conversation of this season potentially is what kind of defense are you going to play during the regular season? And is it going to be the same defense you're going to play in the playoff? And if you're going to change your defense for the playoff, why don't you just play your playoff defense during the season? Because you're going to beat the big 10 teams regardless. What is the point? And who are you playing in the playoff against JT Daniels and Spencer Rattler and Bryce Young and DJ Uyunglele? What's the defense then? Whatever that defense is, if that's not the defense you're playing against Rutgers and Maryland and Michigan state and Michigan and Minnesota, I would like to know why I would like to know the strategy behind that. And I would like to ask a hundred questions about that. Or do you think, or is your belief that we want to play single high? We want to play a lot of press man with a, with a coverage mix, but it's single high. And we want to get so good at that. That is what we play against Spencer Rattler. And then if we don't feel like we're at that point by the end of the year, we'll have to switch and play two more too high safety. You can't answer that. I can't answer that. I want to ask Ryan Day and Kerry Combs a hundred questions about that because there's a lot of strategy there as it relates to your opponent, your philosophy, and your roster and how you meld those three things together for your answer. You were right in saying that Kerry Combs isn't going to come out and blame the they're not going to come out and say we just don't have guys who are good enough. But I think the way he answered Bill Landis's question does kind of extend back to the analysis that we did of the of the national championship game where that was kind of the conclusion that we came to, because I think what he's saying is we can talk about, you know, three deep or split safeties or whatever you want. But if our cornerback play isn't better, it may not matter. That, it, that their cornerback play has to get back to that standard that Ohio State has set in the past. Or some of these other things are maybe not academic, but they're not going to be the solution to the problem. And I think that was sort of the crux of it, that the level of cornerback play has to raise in 2021. Because I do think there's two things. When the level of play is the talent isn't what you're used to. You can either just keep doing exactly what you do schematically. You stick to what you want to do and get burned or you adjust last year. They did adjust. They did not play as much man coverage. So then they got burnt 
in some ways because they adjusted, right? But I mean, if they just played man every snap or 85% of the snaps, and then it was like, well, there's another corner getting burned. Like that'd be worse. Then we'd be like, why didn't you change? This is not Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Gary on Conley. Why did you pretend it was? So I think the issue was last year. Yeah. They kind of played defense in a way that they kind of maybe don't want to play, but they didn't feel like they had a choice. So I don't know. I'm not a defensive coordinator. It was a very short conversation. I think it's the, well, who's the quarterback. It's like everything was saying, it's like, well, other than who's going to play the most important position on the field. And none of them have ever played before. Other than that, I think it's the most important conversation around this team for 2021 is, is that answer schematically because the schematics the, the scheme will reflect what they think the talent is ready to do so i think that is a an incredibly important point um all right let's come back to me i want to talk about zach harrison which is something we talked about before and i thought zach harrison seemed like he was ready to get down to business today when he spoke with us afterwards. And Nathan, it's one of these things, and I'll keep repeating it because I think it's always worthwhile. He feels like he's fitting exactly the Urban Meyer thing. First two years on the coaches, third years on the player. And all this praise that he's getting, and Kerry Combs applied the same praise to Zach Harrison that Ryan Day did two days earlier. And Zach Harrison basically just said, I just decided. I just decided, like, I'm going to I'm gonna buckle down and get down to business and like be myself and, but just like be serious, be a leader. And I wasn't that as much in my first two years and it's go time. And it's like, everybody is noticing, but he just decided to do it. I thought you also asked a really smart question of him as well, which was, we all talk about, we were having this conversation two weeks ago, right? When we were talking about the defensive who needs to, I can't remember how, I always forget how we worded it, but you know, the most important people on defense, most important people on offense, or who needs to step up the most, that sort of thing, who needs to have a big year. And um, we had some differing opinions there. And, and you brought up with him today, like how much is it unfair to you to keep bringing up Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa and, and Chase Young and this legacy of phenomenal defensive ends that they've had here? Is that unfair to you? Do you feel too much pressure? Cause I've all, I've kind of wondered like, you know, you're the hometown kid, but you're also this highly ranked guy. Is that, does that affect a guy? Does it affect his trajectory when there's all these outside expectations and you're just trying to, to fit in, especially early on. And um, he brushed it off. As, as you, I guess you might expect him to saying like, that's more for you guys. That's not something that we think about. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think more to the point of, of the first half of that and the things that Ryan day was talking about, it does seem like the light bulb has maybe gone on. And this is the juncture where you hope it happens for a guy that it wouldn't wait till his senior year that like something snaps where he's like, well, what am I waiting for? Like this it's, it's here now. And, and, and he probably all along guys who are this highly recruited, you might go in thinking maybe this is only a three-year career that you have. And now you're at that third year. So it's not even so much the transition from second to third year. It might be your transition to maybe this is my last year. Maybe this is the last shot I have at it. And I'm not, is there something else that needs to, to be on the field or, or to be present in my, uh, my experience here. And he seems to be grasping that I, you know, time will tell we'll, we'll, we'll see it on the field eventually. I did like, again, confirmation. This is confirmation time because it's off season chatter. And are we right or not? He said he wasn't happy with his season last year and he didn't have a terrible season. He had a, he had a good solid season, but he didn't have a bust out season. Right. And so, Sometimes I do think like guys are too hard on themselves and maybe some guys I think sometimes are, I don't want to say disingenuous because that's a terrible word. That's a damning word. And it's, I don't mean disingenuous, but it's like, they feel like, well, you know, I had 13 sacks last year, but I wasn't happy with my season. And it's like, okay, we get it. All right. You want to have 30 sacks, but let's not pretend 13 wasn't a fantastic year. I thought this was real. Like you were good last year. But frankly, we wondered if you might have been better. And frankly, you kind of think you should have been better. And so at your suggestion, I also did ask about the playing time, right? And again, we were he spent a lot of time on that. He actually played a pretty decent amount. He didn't play as much as Jonathan Cooper, but he was like, ah, you know, Coach Jay, like it's a valuable, it's a reasonable thing. There was an opening for him to say, you know what? That's on me. I didn't do enough. If I would have done what I was supposed to do, I would have been out there more, whatever. He didn't go down that road. He just said he, he trusts Larry Johnson and every defensive lineman 
since Larry Johnson has set foot on campus, has trusted Larry Johnson implicitly and advice to defensive linemen who don't need it. I think that's a good strategy. Trust everything Larry Johnson says. So he's not mad. And it wasn't to the level of the J.K. Dobbins sophomore year when J.K. Dobbins at the start of his junior year was like, I stunk last year and it made me nuts. And I got in my own head and I couldn't escape it. And like, I was awful. And I thought that was real from JK. And it was like, really, were you that terrible? He's like, yeah, I was terrible. And then he was 10 times a better player as a junior. It wasn't to that level, Nathan, but it was in the same realm. I thought a good player acknowledging that it wasn't as good as he thought it should be. And I think as you're starting your third year, I think that matters. It was really only the Nebraska game, as we've talked about before, where he was fifth in the rotation and snaps. But it was startling to us at the time. I think startling to everybody at the time. And it made me wonder if that's what you're seeing now this spring was that for whatever, I still think there was something there. He wasn't at where they wanted him to be. I don't know if it was physically. I don't know if it was attitude, whatever. Something, there was a reason why Zach Harrison and all the talent he has was fifth in snaps. The reason he played fewer snaps than Javante Jean-Baptiste, maybe there was an injury nobody's disclosed. I don't know, but there was a reason why he was fifth in snaps that game. And it makes me wonder if that was kind of a message that was sent, that you got off to the wrong start there. You've got to get off to a better start this year in 2021 and it starts this spring you're the guy who can be a real catalyst for this entire defense not just in the way that you play on the field but in the way that you carry yourself from day to day that message I think was delivered maybe maybe he saw it with his own eyes he talked a little bit today about you know watching Chase Young and watching um, you know what what we saw on a day-to-day basis where he's ripping the heads off of people was one thing but he saw him doing some of those same things in practice on a rep by rep basis, you know, never taking reps off and the way that he attacked the weight room, the way that he just handled his work ethic. Like though that example needs to kind of click in for him at some point. It sounds like maybe it has. It is very, very, very normal. I've, I've been talking to a lot of people about Wyatt Davis uh, for the other thing and like Wyatt Davis. And, and we knew this at the time, but it's like Wyatt Davis, even entering year two, like wasn't there. And then it's sort of like in the middle of year two started to like click for him a little bit. And then they needed him a little bit at the end of year two. And then by year three, he was ready to roll and he was awesome. So I think a lot of guys, if what you're talking about, Nathan, that it's like, okay, beginning of second year, Zach, it's like, you didn't play that much in the beginning. It's like, okay, maybe there's a message. He starts to come around. And now when he gets to the end of the year, end of year two, he's like, okay, now I get it. Now I've got to do it. It is super common, even for five stars. And it crosses positions because it's like year one, you're lost. Maybe you're playing, but you're kind of lost because a lot of people are lost at college the first year when you're not an athlete, which is like having two jobs, right? I mean, just regular student, you're lost. Second year, you, you kind of start to realize what you have to do, but you're not sure exactly you want to work as hard as you need to to do it because it's like, oh, like the first year I was just trying to make sure I didn't drown. Now it's like, okay, I know what I need to do, but man, that's a lot of work. Are we sure? Like this is, this is what I signed up for. And then it's like, okay, then you're not going to play or you're not going to be very good. And it's like, okay, I better get my stuff together. And then year three is like, all right, what am I doing? Here we go. I, like, I'm not so sure that is not like the typical college football player progression chart and that everything about Zach Harrison is typical. But sometimes if you're not a five star, sometimes if there's just not an opportunity for you to play, you get to do year one and two kind of in secret. Where Zach Harrison was like, well, I played some as a freshman. And then like year two, it's like, man, we think you might be a superstar. And it's like, if it doesn't happen, it's completely normal. But because of who he was coming in and that there was opportunity for him, we got to see his progress every bit of it in public. And a lot of guys who are just not going to start until year three, they did it in private. He's exactly on the normal path. And now he's turning the corner for this stretch run. Because as you said, if he's awesome, could be it. This might be his last year if he's really, really awesome, which is certainly on the table. But to reach back to that conversation we had two weeks ago, yeah, that might be the normal progression. But the whole point of the Joey Boses, the Nick Boses, the Chase Young was that he did not take the normal progression. They got by the time they were sophomores, they were beating the world. 
Uh, Even Chase Young, who didn't have the same kind of, I mean, obviously he had an incredible year as a junior, but that sophomore year, especially when you look at it through the context of how hurt he was, it was kind of a phenomenal year, a fantastic year. So we didn't see that from Zach Harrison as a sophomore. I think that's why it was still fair for me, for other people to ask that question. Like maybe that's not what he is. He's still got time to prove that though. And if it goes on later, you know, I'm sure Ohio state obviously is thinking better late than never as far as that, whatever going off in his head. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back more talk about what we learn from the first day of Ohio state football spring practice. And again, coming later in this pod, Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. What happened? What did we think of it from the first round of the NCAA tournament? That's next on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk. Don't forget we're doing the gas station snacks bracket. Fun. Fun. I didn't like one of the results early on. I had a personal favorite go down in flames, but that's how the tournament goes, baby. March Madness. That picture that you tweeted out of that, I think, is the first time i've ever seen those and i think there might be some other voters who i didn't vote but there are probably some other voters in the same boat a lot of voters a lot of voters which i get which is when you're doing this stuff that's supposed to we're talking about butterscotch crimpets from tasty cake which are more of an east coast thing they do exist in ohio now but they don't exist nationally that's part of it if you are a you know when you're trying to appeal to a, a, a broad swath right it's the balance between keeping your quality high while being able to be a national brand. And so Twinkies beat Butterscotch Crimpets like 85-15. I guarantee you, almost every voter, if I sat you down with a Twinkie and a Butterscotch Crimpet and said, what tastes better? You would pick the Butterscotch Crimpet. But Butterscotch Crimpet lost 85-15 because Twinkies are everywhere. And everybody knows what a Twinkie, what Twinkie is. And Twinkies gets props for that. Right. They win the the ubiquity, even though the quality is not as high. I was not exactly sure how many people did know what a butterscotch crimpet was. And I'm guessing that it's not very many, because I think if it was 85, 15, I think 15 percent of the people knew what a butterscotch crimpet was. And they were like, that's much better than a Twinkie. And the other 85 percent were like, I don't know what that is. I know what a Twinkie is. That's part of this. I know that I'm not fighting against that. It's a little bit of a of a mistake by me in not realizing perhaps how limited the appeal of the butterscotch crimpet was. Well, I I saw a couple of our texters, or at least one was like, um, how am I supposed to, it it wants me to vote for all of these, but I don't know what some of these are. So I, I guess they felt like they would have been skewing the results to vote for things that they, they didn't know about. But I mean, I remember going back to like the fast food or the other kind of brackets we've done. Sometimes there would be a matchup between, a restaurant I didn't like very much and in a restaurant I had never heard of or certainly not visited. And I would go find out what that restaurant was about and make that determination. Sometimes the restaurant I did know about was so bad that I was like, well, clearly this has to be better than that. Right. Um, and then sometimes I was like, well, that doesn't sound that appealing. I'll go with this mediocre choice that I do know about. No. And I, and I think that is all incredibly real and it's part of the bracket. All right, Nathan, what else should we talk about? We haven't really touched on Kevin Wilson yet, and he was asked about a, a number of positions where the outcome is, is up in the air. And one, you know, obviously one of his themes overall was um, you're not going to have answers on this until we get into the summer, until you get into August and things start going. But I thought he had some some interesting insights into kind of what they need. I mean, he got a lot of questions about the tight ends because he is the tight ends coach. Another failing of the beat. Listen, He's not even really the tight ends coach. It's the great secret of the Ohio State staff. He's not really the tight ends coach. He's the offensive coordinator that they have, they choose to assign a position group to. The idea that we get, we get Kevin Wilson more than we get the other assistants. He coaches one position. Greg Studrawa coaches five. We get eight times the amount of information about every tight end than we do about every other player on the roster. Because every time Kevin Wilson comes out, people think they have to ask him tight ends questions. So let's stop that because there's only so much information we can get about one spot. No offense to those tight ends. Can you imagine if Kevin Wilson was the left guard coach and it'd be like, Oh, Kevin Wilson's here. He actually is in charge of the whole offense, but I don't know. He's a left guard coach. Let's ask him 11 questions about Harry Miller, or let's ask him 11 questions about Perry. Actually the left guard's more interesting than tight end this year. Like, right. I mean, like that's what we would be doing. Please stop asking so many tight ends questions. Go ahead. I thought there was one tight end question worth asking today, and I asked it. 
So like, obviously I think that, but it was like, we know Jeremy Ruckert's good. Why, why is anybody asking about Jeremy Ruckert? Like, okay. Wh- what did it mean for Jeremy Ruckert to come back this year? It means one of the best tight ends in the country is still playing for this team. I like, that, that question should sort of answer itself. We did get, I guess some, he's slimmed down or whatever. Okay. That's an interesting note. I thought the question was, who's your second tight end? Who's your third tight end? Like that, I think, is a worthwhile question to ask because in the process of that question, it helps you learn a little bit about how they're going to scheme the offense this year, which he did say. Like he said, we're probably not going to play as much two tight ends as we did last year. Like he said that in the course of his answer. He told us that Cade Stover was recognized by the screen coaches as one of the top performers this winter. I think that's an an interesting thing to hear, an important thing to hear. Talked about Mitch Rossi, who was the guy who actually was fourth among the people you put in the tight end room as far as snaps last year, walk-on guy, as really being just more kind of a hybrid fullbackish kind of thing, which I think is the mo- the role that makes the most sense for him and tells me that what you were saying the other day, that Kate Stover is the guy who really needs, they need to step up and get that job. You mentioned Joe Royer too, who's a guy who's a redshirt freshman, didn't play a lot last year. I think it told us a little bit about what personnel wise this offense could look like this fall. If Cade Stover is doing what they need him to do and, and developing the way that he, they expect him to develop that he might be the, I don't know if you call him the Luke Farrell this fall, but he could at least be the, um, the Jake Hausman that they need this fall. Right. As expected. I mean, like, of course that has to be the answer, but it's good to hear him say it. It's confirming what we thought. And I think probably Cade Stover is probably somewhere right in between Luke, Luke Farrell and Jake Hausman. Jake Hausman last year, I mean, he's clearly the third tight end. It's really not a primary role for him. It's an extra, right? Luke Farrell is like on the field all the time. Like Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert played the same number of snaps. They were really both important and they did play a lot of 12 personnel. And then when there was one tight end on the field, it might be one, it might be the other. So I don't think, so Cade Stover can't be an extra but I also don't know there's going to be that many times like when Cade Stover is on the field and Jeremy Ruckert's not, right? Like, because Ju- right. Jeremy Ruckert has come a long way as a blocker and like is a really good blocker now. So, may I mean, maybe if like, well, if you're in a goal line package, you have multiple tight ends anyway, right? So I just, I don't know exactly what the scenario will be unless you're giving Jeremy Ruckert a blow, right? I mean, the guys sure. maybe don't play 65 snaps. But like strategically, I'm not exactly sure where, well, we're going to have Cade instead of Jeremy, which a year ago, sometimes it was Luke, sometimes it was Ruckert, sometimes it was both. They will do both a decent amount of the time. If that's going to be determined by their receiver play, their tight end play, what makes their quarterback comfortable, right? Does he like throwing a tight end? Does he like it three wide? The opposing defenses, all that will matter. But in general, you are right, Nathan. It was very important. He did say we'll probably do less 12 this year than we did a year ago, which is what we would have guessed. But it is an acknowledgement of they like 12 personnel, but part of it last year was because they had two awesome tight ends who were veterans they believed in. And it's just not quite that this year, but Cade's got to give him something. And I, I love the way he answered the question because I tried to even phrase it this way. And he's, he said it'll be the middle of the preseason before we know if we have a second tight end to help us compete for Big Ten championships. Like, I'm not asking who your second tight end is. I'm asking, are you going to get that second guy up there? Because I feel like if they can, even when they play 12 personnel, does it really, what was the great advantage of having Farrell and Ruckert was that they were kind of clones to some extent. Like essentially they could do the same exact things on the field as each other. So I think that in itself puts pressure on, on defense. It leverages a little bit what you're doing on offense. If you put Jeremy Ruckert out there and then a guy who can't do half of what Jeremy Ruckert does, maybe he's got stone hands or maybe he's a complete pushover as a blocker. That to me lessens the, the uh, any advantage you would have of putting a two tight end personnel out there. So I think that's the, the key. It's not just, okay, somebody has to be second on your tight end depth chart, obviously is that second guy on the depth chart literally, I mean, legitimately a good like frontline Big Ten player? No, I think that's because exactly right. The whole thing, a lot of stuff about that tight ends is is that your mismatch problem, right? Like that's like the the, the defense doesn't know what you're going to do because you can do both. And then you can put two tight ends on the field and just pound people in the run game if they're both good blockers. But if you decide to, you know, you put nine guys in the box, all of a sudden now somebody leaks out and is beaten, you know, a safety down the field or something. And now you're winning that way too. So I, I do, 
I do think that like all of that is important. There's, there is, there's what you want to do and there's what you're able to do. And that Cade Stover, like being physically able to be on the field is not the same as Cade Stover being a good blocker and being enough of a legitimate threat in the pass game to make it worth it. Right. Because like, if you're putting, this is what goes back to it last year is worth it. But every time you're putting Cade Stover on the field, you're taking Jackson Smith and the Jigba off the field. And it's like, okay, are we sure this, are we sure this is worth it? And you do it sometimes, but the balance of that is constantly in their head and how Jackson Smith and the Jigba and Cade Stover play this spring. And in August, will certainly affect that, Nathan. Yeah. And this is, I mean, I think this was because Cade Stover was just coming in. Remember, a year ago at this time, he was just making that transition to tight end, right? So among all of the people who have had that screwed up for them, like their 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 development, he was a guy who was going to be learning a new position last winter and spring, and then that got pulled out from under him. So I think, you know, giving him, and now it's a full year later, he's obviously, sounds like, been killing it from, from a weight room perspective, which I don't think surprises anybody. That I mean, He came in with a lot of um, expectations in terms of just his athletic ability and, and what he could bring to this team, I think, from like a mentality standpoint. And it just, just a, he's just a football player, you know? So I think that stuff was always locked in, but it's, it's the skill it's the refinement that it takes to play a specific position like tight end, learning it late in your career and playing it at a, a frontline Big Ten level. I think that is still out there for him. And this spring, it's only 15 practices, but it's 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 an important one for him. All right, let's go to another one that actually you asked about that. I, I guess we've covered a little bit, but um, I, I just want to delve into it a little bit more. I guess we did cover it. I'm, I'm trying to read text because I'm looking for something while I'm thinking about this. We covered, you talked about Thayer Munford and Paris Johnson, right? And that interaction. But I want to delve into it a little bit more just because I, I want to get a, 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 a real answer from you on, do you actually think, what do you think Paris Johnson really thought? Like, I'll be very curious when we talk to Paris Johnson that like you thought you were, right? I mean, you're going to be here. It sounds like you're going to be a guard. That wasn't in the plan. And there was no way, unless Thayer Munford got hurt, there was no way that this was going to happen unless there was a hundred year pandemic that ruled all eligibility null and void. Right. And so like, I just, I think Paris is a good guy and Paris wrote a story about Thayer. As we talked about Paris and Thayer are both good guys. That's not an, I think that's a fact. Paris is a journalist. He's writing stories about Thayer Munford. They clearly have a relationship that has helped with this, but that, that is, and it's always, it's a joke I make, except I think, it's a joke until right up to the point where it's not a joke, like the too many good players thing of like, it is a thing. You asked Thayer that question that way about Paris because it can be a thing, right? Of like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm literally the best tackle in my recruiting class and I'm, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to be a starting tackle. So I'm a junior. That's hard for Paris. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we can assume that it might be. And, and I thought it was an interesting because he was just coming off of another answer where somebody asked him about, um, I think he had, he had declared for the senior bowl at one point. So it was, there was reason to think that he might be leaving, although that doesn't commit you to anything. And um, obviously, because then he backed out and decided he wanted to stay and finish his degree, which he's going to do in August and kind of get things going next step for him academically. As people probably know, there were a lot of academic fight that he had to do to even get into Ohio state in the first place. So congrats to him on, on doing that. But it was certainly, I mean, I thought the best way to get around, you know, stop speculating about it. Like, I want to ask you point blank. Like, did you feel that you needed to not apologize or not ask permission of Paris Johnson, but just like explain yourself to Paris Johnson to say like, Hey, I know that you were recruited here with the express thought that by no later than your second year, a starting left tackle is going to graduate under the way college football has been structured for its eternity he's leaving and that's going to be your job like i'm sure that's how it was explained to him and you know it sounds like just from their relationship that uh, at least from munford's perspective that um that wasn't a a significant barrier that they had discussions about it that he he's close enough to paris johnson and dewan jones he mentioned that he had those conversations like throughout the process like those were guys he was asking for advice so um, maybe Paris Johnson has uh, an opinion about that, but I think he's the one to better divulge that than, than Thayer Munford would be. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I think it's, I think it's really interesting, right? Because nothing is promised, but lots of times things are, are expected and you, you know, it comes up in recruiting. 
I mean, guys look at depth charts all the time and coaches sell depth charts to recruits. And you know that they told Paris Johnson in recruiting, listen, look at this. Okay, Thayer Munford, well, Nicholas Petit, Fair might here, but look, sophomore year, there's a spot for you. And then it's not. And, and it's not a guarantee you got to do what's best for the team. But I do think it's, a, it's an interesting personal thing about how people handle it. Well, and I think it matters at left tackle. And I know that I've pushed back a little bit um, as far as like how big a deal it is that he'll play guard this year. I, I don't think for his long-term development, I really don't think it, it throws him off if he's as talented as everyone says he is. But when you're in your recruiting, I'm sure that you're going to people and saying like, listen, I know this used to be the case. I don't know if it's still true that the highest paid position in the NFL is quarterback and number two was left tackle. At least it was for a long time. Um, I think it might and- be edge, edge rusher now, but I think left tackle might be third. That's what I was thinking. The edge rusher might have might have overtaken it, but it's it's close. And that you can go to a guy and his family as he's coming up and saying like, "This is what you, your son is going to be." It's almost like no doubt. Like, and he's we're gonna you're gonna come here and we're gonna put him in our incubator. And at the end of the day, he's gonna turn into this, and you guys are gonna be set for life. I mean, you could say that about a lot of positions, I suppose. But I mean, I think that sale is probably happening with left tackles specifically. So that is where I think like it, it, the conversation, at least just from a like a common courtesy standpoint almost right like you would go to paris johnson and be like hey i'm just giving you a heads up you're probably not you may not be playing left tackle next year or if you are it won't be because i'm not here i so it's not about development i don't think it's about development actually i think it's about how the nfl views you if paris johnson goes pro as as a junior i guarantee you will read things from scouts and in draft profiles that say, well, he only played tackle for one year. I guarantee it, 1,000%. Now, will it but, actually affect his draft position? Maybe not. But that kind of thing comes up at the NFL all the time. And if you say, well, okay, then just stay for your senior year, Paris Johnson is like a top 20 national recruit. Like that's Now you're adding a year to his timetable. That's a year less of making money. That's no small thing. So if he's not a tackle this year, He's either going to go pro playing tackle for one year in games or he's going to stay for a senior year when maybe that was never really what anybody thought was going to happen. That's a, that is something either way. And it's something unexpected. I'm not dismissing it completely, but I am saying that the reason why it's a topic of conversation with, with Paris Johnson is the actual sentence might be um, he's entering the NFL draft after having won the Outland trophy, despite playing tackle for only one year. So Correct. if that's the full sentence, that's the other part of the conversation has to be there. Like he might end up at left tackle and be so phenomenal that one year at left tackle that it doesn't matter. Very true. Very true. Um, I want to mention this because I was uh, I was researching it and then we can get back to one more thing. I, so I just want to say this about the text and I was I can't find it. Maybe it disappeared. I think it was somebody from the 814. The person who I'm talking about knows I'm talking about them because they listened to the pod. They said. And they were a tech subscriber and they, you know, we're sending out the gas station snacks. We're doing some basketball stuff for people who want it. And they just texted and we're like, you know what? I'm kind of not feeling the text anymore. I've still listened to the pod, but I'm just kind of not there with the text. And it was like, awesome. No problem. Type stop and you're out. And it was like, totally get it. Thank you for hanging in as long as you did. And they were like, they love Buckeye talk. It's their favorite Ohio state podcast but they just don't want the stuff in their phone anymore. And it just like reminded me of like a lot of our text audience is filled with Buckeye talk listeners for sure. And there may be times when like, you're totally into it. And then there may be times it's like, you know what? I'm getting a little, this is a little much for me right now. And like, no offense, like, great. It's so easy to get out. I, it's one of our, I just want to make that selling point again. It was such a lovely breakup. It was such a lovely breakup with this because we're still, I said, I'll see you on the pod. So it's either the 814 or the 513. I think it's the 814. So I'm talking to you right now, former tech subscriber. Thanks for hanging in as long as you did. Amicable breakups, Nathan. Very important part of life. And I just want to, if you're, if you're not sure, here's the thing, right? Listening to Buckeye talk is being our friend. You're our friend. I have no friends. You people are my friends. Text, we're dating. Honestly. And if you're a little worried that you don't want to ruin the friendship by dating us, amicable breakup. I promise we can still be friends if you break up with us. So if that is holding you back, 
right? Nathan, you ever had that? You ever had the friend where you was kind of like, I might want to date my friend, but you're not sure if has that happened in the Baird romantic por- portfolio? Sure. sure. Oh, oh, so you're not talking about it. Oh, you're married now. So now I, didn't know we no, wanted, I didn't know you wanted a long explanation. And there's there's no now we're just not going down that road anymore. It's like, well, listen, man, I can't I can't talk. No, about I think that. that's as in everybody. Yeah, no. So so I mean, I just I, I just want to make that very clear to everyone that we are very good at being broken up with. So don't hold back. Six, one, four, three, five, oh, three, three, one, five. We're not going to call you and hang up. We're not going to drive by your house and your work. We're not gonna we're not gonna Facebook stalk you. No, no. So, you know, I just thought it needed to be said. I did want to say this. This is from our friend Victor, who tweeted this. I listened to Buckeye talk during my workday for the past three years. Today I had an awkward talk with my boss about making sure my podcasts are safe for work since Doug compared the inside of combos to porn. He recommended I stick to sports pods. I explained it is a sports podcast. He asked then, why are they talking about gas stations foods on a sports podcast? And I had no good response. And I feel like that is the story of Buckeye Talk. It is a sports podcast. Then why are they talking about gas station snacks? And I had no good response. That is a good tagline, Nathan. I had no good response. Buckeye Talk. It just is what it is, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we 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 what do we do? We fly without a net here. Yeah, we're like a trapeze without a net. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, three knuckleheads on a trapeze. Buckeye talk. All right, let's do quarterbacks. I unshowered. I unshowered with my camera off. Was listening. I was in on every Wait, single you, one. What? How do you unshower? You went and rolled around in the dirt. No, I, I'm unshowered. I have not showered. You don't consider yourself. Oh, un- you are unshowered. unshowered. No, I'm right. sorry. I thought you were using it as a verb. Like I oh, went no. and unshowered myself. Yeah. No, when I uh, when I went on my uh, a, a college internship, my junior year of college, and I worked at a newspaper in Virginia, and they had an apartment for the interns that they would set you up in. And so I lived with another guy who was an intern, but he had been like in the military and had been out in the world and was like an adult. And I was 20 and I was a ding dong. And he was like 30, 35 or something. I think he had kids. He had a white, like he had a family, but he was starting a second career after being in the military. And he was now going to be a a newspaper photographer. And so he's living with me. It's like unbelievable. And he wanted me to clean out the shower drain after I showered because he said, I don't want to shower in your dirt. And that was I he could have asked me like to go to the moon after every time I took a shower. I was like, you want me to what? Like there's dirt. But it was like an adult thing. And I was just like. I thought the whole thing of a shower was to remove the dirt from me and put it in the drain. But, you know, like the little thing on top, like maybe there's a little hair in there, right? And every now and then you get a piece of toilet paper and like scoop it. He wanted me to do that after every shower. He didn't want to shower in my dirt. What branch of the military was he in that they did basic training at like the Ritz Carlton or something that he had a perfectly spotless shower every day? I don't know. I mean, I, I may have been a very dirty 20 year old. That's very no, possible. Maybe. Or maybe it was because of all the military experience that he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. I want, I want pristine shower flooring. Yeah. So anyway, so like I, that, that would be like unshowering. It's like, if he got in a shower after me and was like, well, I tried to shower, but I actually ended up unshowering because I showered in Doug's dirt the whole time. Anyway, that's life. And then I, all I would want to do, I would go eat, uh, I would eat the pizza hut buffet for lunch, for a late lunch, it was my only meal of the day. I would eat like 32 slices of pizza at the Pizza Hut buffet as my one meal on my internship. And then every night I would, every whatever night it was on, once a week, Tuesday to Thursday, it was the first season of NYPD Blue. And I just wanted to come home and watch NYPD Blue. And uh, and the guy would be like, want to watch something else on TV. And I was like, can I please, I'm 20, I'm on an internship. I don't know what I'm doing. Can I just watch NYPD Blue? It makes me happy. I was very stressed out there. 
quarterback. Who's the quarterback? I, I, I did. So I think Tim may tried to ask like uh, Thayer Munford, who was the quarterback the first time, like the ones took the field. And I don't remember if he answered or not. Do we know who was the first quarterback among the three? If there was one today, if, if that was said, I didn't hear it. Let me look back through real quick. I didn't. I think it wasn't said. I think we were trying to like did Dipsy do Dunkaroo kind of figure out like oh any hints on the quarterback thing because again if we if this was a normal year they let us in normally for the first day of spring practice and we would have been like ah oh, CJ Stroud was up first in the drills and would have been like CJ Stroud won the quarterback job because that's what we do because again every time you think oh it's just the first day of spring it's just one drill it doesn't matter it doesn't guarantee anything of course it matters. They don't roll the dice. They don't flip a coin to figure out who goes first and drills and who runs with the first team. I think his answer was, it doesn't matter who's back there. We've got three amazing quarterbacks. And they, 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 they either Jerry Emig got in there and trained up those guys on quarterback answers or Thayer Munford is just a vet who knows what's up. The, there were some other answers he gave that I think were uh, we're not as well trained uh, today. So I don't know if that's the case, it may, but it may be something that, that as a team that they've been told to say yeah. um, right now. No, um, it's right. And, and Kevin Wilson wasn't going to betray anything. Although, you know, he was obviously asked about, I thought it was, you know, um, Austin Ward, I think asked him, you know, how are these guys different? Something we were kind of talking about yesterday on our breakdown for people who listen to the Friday pod, but just what are the differences in these guys right now? Is there something that separates them? Would you have to play a different kind of, could all three of these guys lead the same offense? Basically, I thought was what he was asking. And, and, and Wilson, I think, seemed to agree that they can. Um, but th- you can definitely get a vibe of we're not getting too far ahead of this, right? That like, hey, there's been one practice. We don't even see these guys a lot of times when they're off throwing with by themselves or whatever uh, before now that they've started these drills. So, uh, it doesn't, you know, we're all very eager and uh, to, to apply a sense of urgency to this. And I, I don't get that same vibe that, that, that the rest of this that the actual Ohio state program is, is waiting to kind of go through this process. All right. Anything else we didn't cover on football. Are you good? I think we hit all the main points. I mean, he, he mentioned, he asked uh, about the running backs and said, again, that's another thing that's, that's probably going to linger around until the summer, but that they, as far as you start to get a real like um, depth chart to start up, to start to form there. But, uh, you know, he did emphasize kind of the importance of, um, we've got to get a guy we can trust, right? So we've talked a lot about, well, maybe Trevor Henderson shows up and he's just blowing the doors off the place and running all over the place. But as a coach would, he's always going to emphasize, hey, is he taking care of the ball? Is he doing what he has to do in pass pro, that sort of stuff. I think it reinforces who might be the starting running back, getting the first snap on day one, but I don't know if it means who gets more snaps over the course of the year. I think talent may win out there. That's what that means. You're exactly right. Trust means don't fumble and pass protect. Don't get the quarterback killed when a blitz is coming. And which is always funny to me. And it's like, ah, who cares about, you know, the running part? It's like, well, it's kind of the thing. But if you run 60 yards and then on the next play, you miss a blitz pickup and your quarterback gets smoked, that's not doing anybody any good. And if you run, if you have seven spin moves and at the end, after you turned a a two yard loss into an 18 yard gain, you fumble, it doesn't matter. So that's the thing coaches say. And that's the one part, Nathan, where I said like, well, you know, it's not like they're just going to put the old guys first. True freshman, I think it's uh, Travion Henderson did not take the first snap for running backs today. Someone who has never practiced at Ohio State before, they're going to automatically be behind. Anybody else, like if you're a second year guy or whatever, like, you know, you're in the mix where you line up in drills and who's running with the ones is an indication. It's not a guarantee. It's an indication that we don't know so far. Master Teague, I'm sure, ran with the ones. And then we'll see Trayvon Henderson and Evan Pryor are in catch-up mode and see how far they can come before they get to the first snap of the season. All right. We're going to do basketball? No, we're not. If Ohio State lost to Oral Roberts, this is probably like a 45-minute basketball conversation. No, it was an entirely separate emergency pod. Go find that in your feed. If Ohio State smoked Oral Roberts, it's probably 10. Nope. If Ohio State beat Oral Roberts, but it was kind of interesting and it was close for a while, it's going to be probably be somewhere in between. Not in between. We don't know what it is. I'm assuming by the time you listen to this, you know what it is. Oh, you know. So that's coming next. Stephen Means from Indiana joining us on Buckeye Talk to wrap up 
Ohio State's basketball day. We appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys being with us. We'll be right back after this. And they lost. So here I am hours later by myself as my family is asleep, as my column is filed, as we already did the emergency pod. We're wrapping up this football podcast. We will be back on Tuesday. More football. We're supposed to talk with Ryan Day on Monday. The basketball season's over. We might do some kind of post-mortem on basketball, but we kind of covered it in the emergency pod. We will expect we'll talk to Chris Holtman again at some point. Uh, but football, full steam ahead. So we, have, we should have interviews planned a couple times a week with Ryan Day, with assistants, with players. Uh, again, we talked to Zach Harrison and Thayer Munford on Friday, so you guys will start hearing from the people who are uh, making this football team go. Thanks for being part of it. Hope you guys are uh, dealing with the basketball loss okay for the people who care about that gas station snack bracket. That will continue. Just because somebody gets eliminated in the gas station snack bracket doesn't mean the bracket is over. So for Nathan, for Steven on the emergency pod, I'm Doug. Appreciate you guys listening. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.